Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the 27th Ball Player Podcast. Surprisingly, we are on a two-week streak now. This is the second straight one since we came back from our near-yearly-long hiatus, I guess you want to go with. Um, might be a shorter one tonight. Don't have much really to go over on my thoughts. I mean, the Sox made a trade. They also have reportedly offered a contract to Yamamoto. So my thoughts on that, along with where do we go if it does not go through. So before we get into that, you know, we, I did talk about, I believe, the Tyler O'Neill trade last time, but I'm going to go over it again. I think the guy could be decent for the most part, you know. He comes to the Red Sox he could become a free agent at the end of this year. You know, he's... We don't know what we're going to get. Are we going to get his healthy side, or are we going to get his injury-prone self from the past two years? Now, if we can get even half of his value from 2021, so that's saying about roughly 17 home runs, I would take that. Because if we look at the Sox lineup right now, and we look at how they're projected to line up on offense and defense. It's not exactly uh, too scary. Well, I don't want to say too scary because, I mean, even my predictions for their uh, home runs from last year was a little bit different. But if we go with it right now, we got Jaron Duran leading off, playing center. Batting second is probably going to be Devers playing third base. Batting third, we can go one of two ways. Either Trevor Story or Yoshida. Personally, I think it should be Story batting third for the sole purpose that it breaks up all the lefties in the lineup. Plus, I believe if he's healthy, we're going to get something closer to how he was playing for Boston in 2022 before that season ended. So he shows off that power again. And I think he'll be perfect in that three-hole. Think of, like, Mike Napoli, how he played for the Red Sox that first year in 2013. I'd like to compare to that. I think Story's going to be playing with a chip on his shoulder, and he's going to want to come out and play much better. Now, with that, though, we have... In the fourth slot, I made a mistake. I said Yoshida, but I meant Tristan Casas. He's going to be playing first base, obviously. Cora has already said that there's no need to protect him against the lefties, so he's going to be out there as much as he can. I'd like to guess and say probably around 140 games, if not more. I mean, he played 132 last year. so, And that's with him getting injured at the end of the season. So I think if he stays healthy, we're going to get like 145 to 150 out of him. Maybe a little less, maybe between the, I'm going to pencil him in between 140 and 150 games this year. I think building off of that rookie season, I think we're going to see him chase roughly 30 home runs. If he's batting fourth for the entire season, like I think he will, we're going to have it along the lines of close to 30 home runs. And I think he's going to fall just short of 100 RBIs, probably in that 85 to 90 range. I think he's going to get to now behind him in the lineup. I think best for the Sox would be Yoshida. We have him being 
in a rotation for DH and in the outfield. I think other players who will play DH for us would be something along the lines of Casas when he needs time off from the field, Endeavors. Along with that, I think maybe Tyler O'Neill could get some time at DH if, you know, he needs to get out of the field. But for the most part, I think the majority of at-bats for the DH spot will go to Yoshida, who I'm penciling in in the number five hole. Along after him, we could go one of two ways. We have no second baseman, really, for the matter. If we're going to go with Reyes slash Valdez, personally, I'm going to put Reyes in. I don't want Reyes batting sixth. I'm sorry. Like, I love the guy. He's a great player, but he is not batting sixth. Instead, we're going Tyler O'Neill for the sixth spot in the lineup. I think, like I've been saying between the, the beginning here and the previous podcast, if he can get back to 2021 20, levels, and I'm not even saying, like, 34 home runs. I'm just saying, stay on the field every day, hit for a decent average, and walk a decent amount. I mean, we look at it, 2021, he was, in my opinion, a plus, what's that? He was like, he was a plus, uh, oh, I'm trying to do the math right now. 352 minus 286. He was a plus 66 player, which it's not bad. I mean, but between 22 and 23, he was like a plus 80 player, roughly. So if he can stay along that way, give us like a 250 average, 20 home runs. I think we'll be golden along with his defense in the outfield. He's a two-time gold glove winner. Keep that in mind. So I think that would work out perfect for the Red Sox. They they need someone who can play good defense in the outfield and they need someone who can get on base and can drive runs in you slot o'neill a healthy productive o'neill into i guess left field right field center he could probably play all three i'm guessing and you have him rotate between the three outfield positions depending on the other outfielders that day and in sixth i think he gives protection to yoshida and he breaks up the righty lefty like continuation in the lineup because at this point you got two lefties a righty two lefties a righty so that means coming into the seventh slot in the lineup we're gonna go assuming he is the starting second baseman we are going with actually no i was gonna put i was gonna put reyes there but i'm gonna put abreu at seven and for those of you who might not remember from the end of the season you might have tuned out with how the Sox were playing we were out of playoff contention, you know, I don't blame you. I watched them still. I was frustrated at times, but Abreu, one of the key pieces, well, one of two pieces, I'm sorry, that came over in the Christian Vasquez trade with Houston in 2022, along with uh, Valdez. Last year in 28 games, he managed to hit 316 and get on base at a 388 clip. And that's not including his slugging, which was 474 and... He plays great defense. I got to see him a lot in Worcester last year. His defense was great. There was there was so many great plays between knowing how to get to the ball and just his arm. I think he's going to be a great defender. Put him in right field. Now, this was a comparison I saw. They asked, what would you think if he was to be like Trot Nixon? I'm all for it. 15 to 20 home runs a year, 280 average, great defense. He gives it his all every day. If Abreu could be the next Trot Nixon, perfect. But 
you know that we'll 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 wait to see on that. <laughs> but anyway, in 28 games last year, like I was saying, 316 average, 388 on base, 474 slugging. He had two home runs, 14 RBIs, <laughs> in a total of 76 at bats. He struck out 23 times, which he's a young kid. That's fine. He also walked nine times. If he keeps this trend, he is in my book. He's a plus 72 player, you know? Triple A for Worcester last year, though, he was, uh, he walked a lot more. So I think maybe now that he's got an idea of major league pitching, I'd like to say he could have an even better, uh, strikeout to walk ratio this year. Maybe he cuts, maybe he, I'm sorry, not cuts. Maybe he increases his walks a lot more compared to how many strikeouts. I mean, in Worcester, he had 74 strikeouts and 59 walks. He also showed a lot of power, 22 home runs. I'm not looking for that. But slotting him in at 7th, if he can give us like a 250 to 280 average, which I think he's going to do better than that, and about 15 home runs, I think that's golden. So now, going in 8th, we got Pablo Reyes, who, like I said, it could end up being Valdez. Either way, they're going to pencil in 8th in my imaginary lineup. I'm not asking for much. Just get on base, put the ball in play. You know, I'm not looking for much. Valdez gives you more power. Reyes, I think, gives you a better eye. Maybe I'm biased, but I like Valdez more if you're looking for a quick home run. Or, I'm sorry, not a quick home run, to drive in runs. I think he will be the better of the two offensively, but he does strike out a lot. 37 strikeouts and 139 at-bats. He will probably not walk as much. And I think if you're looking for the player to get on base more, you're going to want Pablo Reyes. I mean, just comparing the two, Reyes had 167 at-bats. He got on at a 339 clip with how many walks did he have? 14 walks. Now, if we look at Valdez, uh, 139 at-bats. So he had just about 30 at-bats less. He only walked eight times and struck out 37 compared to Reyes striking out a grand total of 21. So I think Reyes would get you on base more. You're definitely going to get more power from Valdez. So there's a trade-off. If you're looking to get on base, Reyes is the man to go. If you're looking for power, it's Valdez. And I think there's a chance they could open in a kind of platoon to start the year if they don't bring someone in now other than that batting ninth you got Connor Wong and I think I think what we got from him last year was decent I mean he definitely tired at some points when he was catching almost every day it's his first time catching for a full season like this I mean 2022 he only played 81 games for Worcester just between injuries and being called up to the Red Sox. I mean, in 2020, he, he, let me rephrase that. He has never played as many games as he did this year. That's a fact. Last year, he played 108 games. That was the most he had ever played up to that point. And this year, he played 126. So he played almost 20 more games than he ever had before in his career. That's not including spring training and everything else. In 126 games, 235 average, 288 on base, 385 slugging, 9 home runs. He struck out 134 times and walked 22. I think 
with another year, he is going to up those numbers a little. I'm not looking for much. Maybe in the 240 range about. It's not, it, Like I said, it's going to be a very small increase. Now, I think that's fine. You get, you get a 240 average about 10 to 12 home runs, which is more than what I predicted. And I think he's fine. He has great defense. And I think that's how it's going to work, you know? He also provides you with decent speed for a catcher. He had eight steals last year. <laughs> I don't know many catchers who are stealing bases in the game anymore unless it's a double steal and you're the back half of it. But, yeah, that's my point. The lineup, it could look good. Uh, some second baseman I think the Sox could bring in. Whit Merrifield. I've been saying this <laughs> several times. Uh, potential trades. One guy I would like is who would not be available, I view, is Brandon Donovan. So one name also besides Whit Merrifield that I've been hearing and seeing online a lot that could be moved is Jonathan India. Not a big fan. Not because I don't like him. He's a good player, but I don't want him. I've, I won't lie. I don't watch much Reds. I don't, I don't know much about the Reds. He was a rookie of the year winner back in 21. I know that much, but his numbers have dropped every year in the sense of, well, let me rephrase that. His average has dropped every year. And yeah, I get it. Today's game average isn't the end all be all. There's players otherwise, but his slugging is down. It, his rookie year was 459. It's 407 this year, which yes, it bounced back. It went up about another 30 points from 2022. But he strikes out a lot. 109 strikeouts and 454 at-bats. That's almost a 25% clip. He, at least he walks, so that makes up he has some speed. But, and this is the big part for me where the issue is, his defense. Just looking at it, he played 104 games at second base last year. Of those 104, he only finished 90, so 14 of them he was pulled before the end of the game. He also had nine errors in 390 chances. Yeah, okay, that not many, but still, that is not, it's not good in the sense of Sox need to cut back on giving up errors. They need to play better. His fielding percentage, it's 977. His career is a 974. Compare that. Let's just say Pablo Reyes. What was his fielding percentage last year, you say? With the Red Sox, just at second base in 30 games, it was... Oh, actually, I'm surprised it was that bad. It was 943. Everyone acted like he was a great defensive player. I know at shortstop, he was much better. It was a 972. Even then, it's still less. Why is... You know what? Why is everyone saying Jonathan India is not a good player defensively? Like I said, I, I have not watched many Reds games. Am I, am I being gaslit? And then where are you? If we also look at uh, Valdez, uh, never mind. I can't get to his defensive stats. Give me a second. Uh, sorry if I'm sniffling. I'm. I might be coming down with something due to work. So Boston last year in second, he had a 9.59. So he had seven errors. And only, I think that's, a yeah, 171 attempts. So it's even worse than India. But, yeah, it is what it is. 
someone though that I would like to see the Sox go after. I don't think they would because I don't think the Cubs would be willing to give him up. Nick Madrigal. He played third base for them last year. I think if the offer was right, they could bring him in to be their starting second baseman, but I don't think so. He was a key piece for the... Uh, what's his face? Uh, Craig Kimbrell trade from the White Sox. Or, I'm sorry, from the Cubs to the White Sox. So I don't think they'd be willing to give up Nick Madrigal that easy. Another player that seems like a perfect fit for the Red Sox. Brandon Drury. He's with the Angels. 125 games last year. 262, 306, 497. He slashed 26 home runs, 83 RBIs. You could slot him right in to that six hole in the lineup. Allows Tyler O'Neill to bat seventh. And it makes your one through seven even better than what it looks like at the moment. I think he would be a good move to come in. Give him a one-year stopgap at second. And then, you know, on his way out. Because I believe his contract's done after next year. Where are you? What? I don't know why sometimes baseball reference gives me their usual. And then others will give me my... Yeah, he's got one year left. He'll be 32 at the end of this deal. And he'll be a free agent after next year. So, it could be a win-win for the Sox. You, you trade... I don't know what. You got, you got a surplus of... Some minor league talent that definitely is not going to last around. So if we look at it, even looking from, say, Triple A right now, you have a bunch of minor league arms that you could trade. And, hey, you never know. Even you go to Double A, you got some stuff you could trade, which I think the Angels would be willing to take. But, like I said, you never know. So those are kind of my three top right now that I think they have a chance that they could get. Brandon Drury. Um, I said his name. Why am I drawing a Whit Merrifield? And then the long shot, number three, would be Nick Madrigal. I mean, other players. You know, you could, you could try and call the Guardians, see if maybe they'd be willing to give you Andres Jimenez. But the problem with that is he bats lefty, I believe, and you don't need another left-handed second baseman. Yeah, he bats lefty. He could be exactly what we would want, though, if he only batted right. Defensive player, gets on base, has decent power, can walk, you know. One that, you know, won't be moved anytime soon, Cattell Marte from the Diamondbacks, especially after their run to the uh, World Series. Ozzy Albies, he is a beast for Atlanta. And, yeah. Oh, actually, this one. I'm sorry if I mispronounce his name. I know I'm going to. Ha Seung Kim from the Padres. They're looking to shed payroll. I wonder... If the Sox were willing to take on someone like Jake Cronenworth, who I would hate being on the team because of that awful contract, would they give us uh, Kim? I mean, the guy, he's 28 years old, and he's played very well. He's got two years left, which I'm not going to lie, looking at that last contract, it is very weird. So he's signed for $8 million for this season. And then, according to Baseball Reference, he has a $1 mutual option for 2025. Which, I don't know if it's just because they, 
they don't know the true numbers of it or if it's just a very weird option maybe it was like a if player spends x amount of time injured i'm gonna i'm gonna look this up right now so let's see when he signed it was a four-year deal for 28 million from 2021 to 2024 and with it it had a option for 2025 but i still don't i don't get it may earn additional so san diego also had to pay a five and a half million fee to the hero yeah okay so 2025 i don't know why baseball reference had it listed as one dollar mutual option with two million uh opt uh buyout but so the compensation, according to Baseball Prospectus, is $2 million, which makes a lot more sense. Now, let's see from Spotrack. It does say, theirs has it that the salary would be $7 million for the option. And two million for the buyout, bringing the whole deal to a total of thirty million if he's bought out. So I, I'm gonna go with these over what Baseball Reference says of a one dollar mutual option. But yeah, that's kind of my second baseman that I would love to see the Sox uh, try and target and go after. I don't think it happens, but but yeah, that's kind of about it. As for the last piece I want to touch on, Yoshinobu, I probably just, uh, <laughs> I butchered that so bad, Yo, Yoshi, Yoshinobu Yamamoto, there has been talks going on, teams have met with him, and according to some, there have been contracts offered. Supposedly there was, I think it was $304 million over nine years offered by the Yankees at one point. And today, December 16th, 2023, according to Jim Bowden, who is an MLB analyst and insider with CBS Sports and The Athletic and SiriusXM, I'm reading this right off of his uh, Twitter account right now. He also does MLB Network Radio, and he's a former MLB GM, I guess, of 16 years. <laughs> no clue who he is, but yeah. Uh, according to him... Both the San Francisco Giants and the Boston Red Sox have made a strong push, and they've offered they've both offered contracts worth more than three hundred million. But before him, Mariano Pepin, Pe Pepin, I I don't know how to pronounce it. Mariano Pepin, who's a sports analyst who covers the Red Sox and his Spanish play-by-play, says in his social media he hosts sports radio show wjda boston pregame lidom for usa since 2000 uh he reported it first earlier today saturday morning of course people are saying oh he's going to go to the dodgers he's going to go to the yankees he's going to go to the mets well we'll see because here's some things if you're yamamoto you go to the dodgers you're going to be second fiddle to uh, shohei and yeah, anyone would love to play with him, but when you're looking at it from his standpoint, he's coming from his home country. 
to the United States to prove that he's the best one in the game. He doesn't want to be second fiddle. He goes to the Yankees. He's He would be the top Japanese player, but in a market like New York where you already have Aaron Judge and Juan Soto and Garrett Cole, you're still not proving you're the best. You go to a team like the Red Sox, where they're coming off a down season, you sign with them, you bring them back to the playoffs, and you help them prove they're a contender again. Not only are you going to be the number one sports figure in all of New England, but you're also going to show that you're the number one Japanese player in New England, You're the, and you're going to be the best player in the world. You've also got your best friend, um, sorry, I can't say best friend, close friend, Yoshida on the team, who I I hope they had him in the meeting when they talked to him. We don't know anything. Craig Breslow's team has been tight-lipped on everything they've done. We've never known until it's happened, besides having an idea that Verdugo was on the move because they had been trying to move him since, like, the middle of last season when Heim Bloom was still in charge, but... So, Yamamoto, this kid, he is going to be something else. He's, he is literally 25 years old. You just give him a blank check. You know, I don't care right now, John Henry. If you have to sell the Pittsburgh Penguins, go right ahead, sell those Penguins and sign Yamamoto because you're going to make your money back in a heartbeat. This guy, not only is he going to sell jerseys the moment you sign him, but You're bringing in revenue from Japan because they're going to want to watch the games. They're going to support the Red Sox now that Yamamoto is here. He's 25. Like, looking at this right now, I'm 28 years old, and he's three years younger than me. The difference between him and me is he can actually pitch and play baseball, and I pulled my hamstring trying to play basketball against middle schoolers this past week. (laughs) So, yeah. On top of that, the Red Sox are in a situation we don't have many young pitchers to work with we haven't developed well we got Bayo, yeah that that's about it i mean whitlock was good and then we tried the whole starting pitcher experiment and that blew up in our face helk has been inconsistent cutter crawford has shown decency these past year and a half so i trust him enough but we look at the minors right now we don't really have anything we got winkowski who was in the bullpen last year. He might start the year in AAA. I don't know. Really, we don't know what's going on. Brandon Walter, who has been constantly hurt these past couple years. We got uh, Richard the Dick Fitz, which we don't know much about. He's arg- arguably one of our better pitching prospects at the moment, and he hasn't even pitched a single pitch for us. Then we got Grant Gambro and Brian Van Bell. That's just going off of Sox prospects uh, projected rotation for Worcester. Like none of those guys are going to come up to Boston and turn the team around. You, we look at Double A. We got Wickelman Gonzalez, who yeah he could be something, but really he's probably going to be a reliever if he makes it to uh, Boston. Struggled with the drive last year, but turned it around once he went up to Portland. I mean, 10 games in Portland, 242 ERA, 48 innings, 28 walks to 63 strikeouts. I mean, that's not too bad. He strikes out a lot. I think he would be better 
in a relief role. I don't think he's a starting pitcher right now. Maybe he takes that next leap and he develops, especially with Andrew Bailey now as our pitching coach. I mean, look at what he did for those pitchers out in San Francisco. Otherwise, Hunter Dauber, I, I don't know. Zach Penrod, you know, that's going to be an interesting guy seeing how he did things at the end of last year for uh, the drive after he got brought in from Indy Ball, along with what he did in the Fall League, he is someone that I want to keep an eye on. Someone that I think could be an interesting guy. He's 26. He's going to be 27 by June 16th of next year. So, again, he's getting up there a bit in age for us to wait around. And then one guy who I trust if he develops still, Louis Per. Perales, Luis Perales, young kid, 20 years old. He ended the season with the drive last year. So he's a ways away, you know, projected. I give it another two, three years, which, yeah, Sox Prospects says 2026. It's going to be 2024 next year, so three years away. So that's why we need Yamamoto. And on top of him, we can't just stay with Yamamoto if we get him. We need one more. I think if we get Yamamoto, we're not bringing in Jordan Montgomery, especially with reports saying he wants six years, $160 million, or whatever it was that Carlos Rodon got. What was Rodon? I know it was six years, but I forget the exact amount. Yeah, six years, $162 million. So he wants something in that ballpark to begin with. Uh, I think he gets that from the Sox if we don't get Yamamoto, but... Sorry, just burped. That was uh, disgusting. But <laughs> I think if we get Yamamoto, we might bring in uh, like a tier two, tier three type pitcher. Because you got Yamamoto, Bayo, Sale, and then one of Pavetta or Crawford. And then you bring in another pitcher or you trade for someone. Because let's see, we have, who are the top starting pitching free agents right now? So according to this, it was going to be Otani, who won't be pitching next year, and he's gone. Yamamoto, Aaron Nola, who's off the market, Blake Snell, who I do not want in Boston, Montgomery, who I would love in Boston, Sonny Gray is gone, Josh Hader, they have him, oh, I'm sorry, this is just free agent pitchers, not but Kershaw, who's going to be out for a while. Eduardo Rodriguez, who's already off the market. Lucas Giolito. I'd be fine with bringing someone like that in if we had Yamamoto. So I could see him penciled in as our number four and then Cutter slash Pavetta as our five. Other options include Marcus Stroman, who I don't want on the Sox. Shota Imanaga, who is interesting. I wouldn't mind that. Uh, walk is gone. Yariel Rodriguez, who's a relief pitcher. I'd like to see the Sox take an interest. Sean Manaya, 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 whatever. That would be an interesting one. Severino is gone. The Sox had talked to him. Jack Flaherty, he's gone. They had talked to him. Michael Lorenzen. I could see them bringing him in on a one-year deal. Uh, other than that, yeah, I mean, they could do a, re they could bring James Paxton back, but I don't want that. He gets hurt too much. 
But point being, it's Yamamoto or bust. We need Yamamoto. We need to get that deal. <laughs> we need him in Boston. Let's let's start selling the let's start selling the jerseys there, John Henry. You're gonna make your money back. With that, I'd like to thank everyone for tuning in and listening again this week. Uh, I'm gonna try and do it again for one more week next week before I go on a short hiatus again. Hopefully, it's just a short one for the week of Christmas. Um, once again, if I do not get one out by next week, happy Hanukkah, Merry Christmas, uh, and a happy new year. Thank you. Bye.